0: Welcome to the At the Coalface podcast with your host Jason Greenwood. This podcast is all about what it's really like in the trenches of digital and e-commerce. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the At the Coalface podcast with me, your host Jason Greenwood. Awesome to have you with us along for the ride today, and it's my absolute uh, pleasure to welcome Abby Vora from ocular to the program today thank you Abi.
1: thanks jason thank you for having me and uh, really looking forward to our conversation
0: fantastic mate well look you are based in sydney if i understand things right and you've got a background in tech and in commerce and in retail so you were a principal at deloitte part of that you were a co-founder of buy me stuff which was a, a marketplace Uh, in Australia. And as we know, uh, Australia is well known for its marketplaces, very, very successful marketplace-based country. And you have been the CEO and co-founder of Ocular for nearly four years now.
1: That's right. That's right, Jason. I actually started in your nick of the woods. So I was in Auckland. I studied in Auckland, started my professional life as a chartered accountant with Deloitte, then moved across to Sydney and exactly as you said, got the uh, startup bug Started with Buy Me Stuff, which was a marketplace, which economically didn't do well, but what it did to for us was it gave us the problem which we are actually now solving through Ocular because we were operators ourselves as a marketplace when we faced the problem which we'll get into shortly, and then we pivoted the business, set off in the in the direction that Ocular is doing now.
0: It's great to have that background and the, the sort of at the coalface face experience that you need to be able to have this very market ready and come up with a product that has this great product to market fit. You know, if you've been in the trenches before, then obviously you're able to shape the product development roadmap based on not only your experience, but the experience that other merchants have had with your technology. So makes absolute sense. And if we think about Ocular now for a moment, it's a visual search technology platform. It's a SaaS platform. We'll get into the specifics of what that means, but how did you, I guess, decide, you know, of all the things you could do around e-commerce, of all the sort of problems and challenges and opportunities that are surrounding e-commerce and omnichannel. Why search? Why specifically visual search? Did you think, hey, this is a problem I think we can uniquely solve and no one seems to be doing it quite like us. I think we can nail this. Yeah, great question.
1: So so what what exactly happened was when we were running the marketplace, we used to get products and we used to upload the products ourselves and then make sure that you know they are Ultimately discoverable by the end consumer, by the shopper, and that was an absolute painful process because you know anyone who has done tagging and attribution and uploading product information knows that it is time-consuming, it's manual, you know, it's prone to errors, etc. So what we started looking for an internal purposes was hey, can we build something that can automate this process? So say if we are selling clothes and dresses, it can automatically you know, from the image, generate all this information and upload it into our product information management system. So we started just discussing what could we do. And then we started developing a product, and it was intended for internal purposes initially to help us. As we started building that halfway through, we realized, hang on, this is a far better problem to be solving than what we were trying to do with the marketplace. And then we, because obviously you know, resources were limited, And I think everyone says resources are limited, but initially as a startup, it is. So we sort of redirected focus and started building what is now called ocular tag generation. And the reason we did that was because we said everything that we need to do in terms of personalization, making sure the customer experience is good, relies as a foundation on the product information that we are uploading for a particular product. So let's take an example if someone is selling dresses at a minimum they need to have is it blue is it polka dot is it flowing is it sleeveless these are the patterns etc and right now all of that was being manually done by us as well so then we decided this is a foundational product people are not doing this the way they're solving it right now is putting more manual resources we think we can build a really cutting edge visual recognition product which can scan the online product and generate all these descriptions automatically which can drive your search it can drive your filtering process it can drive your final customer experience your merchandising everything so we said let's build this and on top of this we will build other features and products and then that tag gen became our foundational product and we said Yeah, this is what we're going to do and we pivoted the business and uh, yeah from since the last sort of 18 months or so we've been product has been ready and live in the
0: market wow what an amazing journey now just for the benefit of the audience who maybe don't necessarily understand what visual search is and means and how it works i think it's a useful exercise to compare it to your typical site search so what we're talking about with your technology is It's a site search platform. So the search bar at the top of, say, an e-commerce website, when someone is searching for something. So let's say they're on a fashion website and they're looking for something with polka dots or something red or a blouse or a dress or a, or a, a shoe or something like that. Right. So they type in something that to them using a search term that to them makes sense to them in the semantics that they use to describe that thing. Now, the vast majority of site search technology out there in the market today is what I would call semantic search based. So that means that for every product that's in a catalog of an e-commerce website, that brand will go ahead and they will assign both structured and unstructured data attributes to that product. So they will you know, populate a nicely copywritten product description. They'll maybe even have a short description and then they'll apply different structured data attributes to that product in a manual way. So they'll add a color, they'll add a fabric, they'll add a boot height, a heel height, a toe type. They'll add you know, whatever type of structured data attributes that can be applied to more than one product in their catalog based on the categories of products that they carry, they will have a set of structured data attributes that they apply to universally to their products as and where it's appropriate. So that, and that forms the foundation effectively of the keywords, that are then in the catalog. So we've got the products themselves, and then we have the description and the attributes associated with those products. And that is what most site search engines use, even enterprise site search engines. They use those to catalog and index the products from the catalog, and then they use those attributes and the weighting of those attributes and the word clouds associated with those attributes to assign a weighting and associate those products and those words with specific search queries that someone puts in. So when they type in polka dot, if polka dot is uh, a, one of the color types or color attributes assigned to a product, then that will allow that product to show up in the search results on the site. Now, as I understand oh. it, correct me if I'm wrong. Visual search works quite differently. It uses machine vision and machine learning to automatically generate those attributes based on a scan of the image of that product. And you have you'll have a, tra- a set of training data that you feed into the algorithm. So so and usually it has to be human assisted at first to help the machine vision algorithm to identify those common attributes amongst a range of of product images. And then from there, it can start to fan out across the rest of the data set of images across the catalog and auto generate those attributes. So if it's got red in the product, then all of a sudden we'll be able to tag it with the red color attribute. If it's got polka dots, we can tag it with the polka dots color attribute. If it's a boot with a high heel, then we can auto tag it with a high heel boot attribute, right? So as I understand it, your technology uses machine vision, machine learning, learning and auto tagging to do what most businesses do manually by assigning attributes to their products to make the search results relevant to what someone searches for on a website. That's right. So
1: what maybe we're doing, we're doing two products. So it's partially correct exactly what you said in terms of the process, but we've built it in sort of two features to it almost. The first feature is what we call tag gen. And what it does is it really automates that manual process of generating attributes. So in the example, when you said, you know, it will generate polka dot, blue dress, you know, with sleeveless pattern or you know v-neck boat neck etc right now in the industry generally that is being done manually so what we are doing is we have built this product which actually scans the product directly from the product information management system or the PIM for the retailer and it automatically pre-fills those meta field the areas where you stay store those uh, structured data so it'll automatically start feeding it so you don't have to manually write that and that actually helps The search engines, and we work with search engines. So we work with uh, companies who provide on-site search because they ultimately rely on on the metadata that you said that the retailers are supposed to be generating. So we are working with them and saying, look, instead of you having five things over there, our system can automatically pre-fill that with 50 things, which makes your relevance better. It makes your ability to filter it better. And then the second part of that which is exactly as you noted that our second product which is visual search which relies not just on the text but actually on the image of there and it sort of compartmentalizes that to say okay you're looking for this particular type of dress but here as we have given retailers a, a simple button where they can say a search for other similar looking dresses they click on that and our algorithms go and search for other visually similar looking dresses, and can showcase that to the end shopper. And then they can make a decision on you know, whether they like it, whether it's different by pattern, is it different by print, is it different by colors, etc. So it actually helps them find a particular product quickly using images instead of going through the whole, you know, searching for something else again. So in context, that's what we are trying to do. We're trying to educate the market almost on the need for having good product information. I think people understand that, but there is some level of you know, understanding of how do you get good product information? Do you push your suppliers to give it, or do you just hire 20, 30 people to start doing this manually? So we're trying to provide this that, no, you can actually use an automated solution like Ocular, which can then generate all this for you. And that sets your foundation correctly. And then you can do other things on that, deciding whether you want to make it into a filter, how do you actually use that for your on-site search, et
0: cetera. So you see yourselves probably less as a replacement for something like an Algolia or a Celebros or an Instant Search Plus. You probably see yourself less as a replacement for those technologies and more as a supporting technology that layers on top of or underneath those site search exactly. technologies, and then you extend and enhance their capabilities by, first of all, populating the attributes that they rely on in a text way, so to populating the text-based attributes that they rely on to build out their index, their site search index, to be able to provide relevant and quick results to the site searcher, but also you extend that functionality by saying, okay, here's a search results page, or okay, I'm on this product page of this polka dot skirt that I really like. And if I, from that, from that point, if I click, show me, show me similar items, then I still, am going to get a a unique search results page that's driven by you guys, but that doesn't necessarily completely replace the standard site search bar. It's just, it's an alternate way to search based on visual cues and visual elements for like items. And therefore it provides results in a unique way to the standard site search, search and merch functionality exactly so we
1: you absolutely nailed that on the head so we can work we partner with on-site search companies not necessarily see ourselves as so we position ourselves that we can actually partner with all of them to be able to help them generate more content which allows them to be more relevant to create more relevancy for the end retailer so and i think we have done this in a few occasions where we partnered with the on-site search company because they said they cannot increase relevancy more so if they don't have enough underlying product information. So that's where we come in to populate the retailer's product information, and then you know the on-site search algorithms function to help increase that relevance, So exactly as you said. And then, of course, on top of that, we can build further on saying, how do we make it more relevant? And I think there are maybe certain overlaps in certain areas of visual search, where there could be slight competing things, but the underlying product that we are using Taggen, that is purely as a, seen as a partner for the on-site search companies.
0: And I guess then it begs the question: then it feels very much like your technology is really targeted and orientated towards products that have a very. Important aesthetic element to them, so we're thinking of of anything around fashion, anything around furniture, anything that really people care about the actual aesthetics and the visual components of a product. You know, outside of yeah. that, uh, it feels like I- I'm guessing that an auto parts brand is probably not going to need your technology, or uh, you know, uh, a fencing you know company that's selling fencing components. You know, these types of of hard goods that have a specific application in an environment where the aesthetics don't matter then then your technology is probably not necessarily going to add much value to them but where something is aesthetically important and aesthetically sensitive even if it was a even if it was an art website or maybe in the future you know you can drive nft websites where somebody likes a specific look of an nft and hey they want to look at uh, they want to find other nfts that look similar or have a similar design or have a similar pattern so anything really that has a visual component to it, or an aesthetic component component to it, that matters to the consumer. That feels like a very natural fit for your technology.
1: So what on medicine? So right now, we we look at it in a few horizons. So, in this first horizon, exactly as you said, it is where there is visual appeal, and the visual uh, matters to the end consumer. And of course, it is. Uh, right now, we're working with retailers in the apparel space, in jewelry, footwear, in bags, and these are the sort of you know the the broader fashion segment, and then also furniture. Exactly as you said, but the second horizon is where we're focusing uh, or will focus on going forward is exactly as you said about auto parts, where there is not a visual appeal for it, but still retailers are getting information from suppliers in some structured or unstructured part but still needs to make its way into their product information management system and that could be Comestry or akinio etc so we are trying to work out and build a system where we can also identify the text instead of just being the visual part to pick up the text in these information that is being sent But that is down the road. Right now, our key focus, it's an early stage company, so we can't focus on too many things. But right now, our focus is right in those two areas, you said, fashion and furniture. And we're saying, once we can, you know, create enough of uh, a segment in this, then we might look at other areas to to propel further. And in those as well, there are different segments of, you know, enterprise and uh, sort of medium sized businesses, because Ultimately, if you are a small retailer uh, or or a very small retailer with just 20, 30 products that you're selling, you don't need a lot of, you can generate all that information manually, even though if it is difficult to do and manage, you can still manage it because it's just 20, 30. But if you've got a decent number of SKUs and you're changing that constantly on a monthly basis, you're getting new products, et cetera, that's where... We come into complete action, and we say that's where we can really shine. That's the sweet spot. A lot of retailers are there in that space.
0: Yeah, not only that. I think it's not just catalog size, but also drop frequency and churn in the catalog as well. So obviously, if you're a if you're a fashion brand and you know you're doing drops every week or drops every two weeks, or you know uh, on the outside at least seasonal drops, you have you know new products entering your catalog at a at a ridiculous pace, and as a result of that. You know you'd have a, have to have a full-time merchandising team two three and i and i see this routinely actually with retailers where they have a a merchandising team two three four five people that all they do is merchandising and all they do is manage the PIM system and all the app product attributes and all of the enrichment of those products with imagery and videos and descriptions etc and so it is a heavy load on a merchandising team to manage the catalog churn as well as the catalog breadth and depth so i I totally understand what you're referring to, and I can imagine that your technology in particular, where there is high churn rates in a specific vertical and a specific retail category, those high churn rate categories are just ripe for the picking for your technology because it, it automates and speeds up that process and, and really can take... Multiple human bodies out of that responsibility and they can focus on other areas where they can add more value, where they can create the product videos, where they can actually create the product imagery, where they can where they can start interviewing, you know, customers that have used those products and start to start to get closer to their customer in terms of the relationship and the understanding of what the customer actually wants. So I I can see massive value there. Now, obviously with any e-commerce technology like this, one of the key areas of adoption or one of the things that drives or helps to drive adoption of any amazing technology like what you're building and and have built is integrations. Right, Most of the e-commerce technologies out there nowadays are are API led, which means that you can connect your technology or a middleware uh, integration provider or an integration partner can or or a dev partner or an agency can build out those integrations between your technology and say a PIM or an e-commerce platform or a site search platform, etc. And they can do those integrations as one-off co- connections and, and custom development. But what I'm starting to see, particularly with SaaS technologies that are seeing ultra high adoption rates, is what are the out-of-the-box integrations? Meaning how plug-and-play is the technology with a Shopify, with a big commerce, with an algolia with a river sand with uh, you know with the other pim systems like you said a kenyo etc so what are some of the out of the box integrations with erps and and all the other technologies that typically make up a commerce stack what types of integrations do you have today and what part does integration or out of the box integrations play in your strategy moving forward That's a great question. That's a great question.
1: And just before I mentioned the integration part uh, to something that you were mentioning earlier about the benefits and what, how retailers are using the actual ocular product. I can just maybe mention a couple of things over there. Firstly, uh, you're absolutely right. It is about the automation and it is about helping. It's almost providing the the current users of the product who could be the someone who's managing attributes, giving them a tool where they say, okay, at least 85% of our job is done. We're just going to go and audit this information. We're going to go and audit this information. And Ocular allows them to make changes if they find any errors. And because it's working on machine learning, it starts to learn and starts to get better with time. So over time, their time reduces significantly and they can redeploy their time or other things. Because it is really mundane work. You don't want to hire know super smart talented engaged people and get them to do this because they just they just tune out very quickly and we've seen that across with some of the retailers that we have worked with where they've tried to get people but then ultimately they have to get someone to check that work as well so they're saying look it's better to automate this thing because it's a it's a task which can be automated we don't want them to be spending time on doing this yes sorting but then also we're to now generate the entire product description of the product, not just the attributes and tags. And we're generating multiple descriptions of that because when the retailer is selling on different marketplaces, they want uh, different product descriptions. The marketplaces are demanding that because for SEO purposes, you can't just copy and paste the same one. So now you have the same person who's managing the attributes and tags in the company now not doing not only doing that, but also writing the same thing five times. That is even more you know mundane work to be done. But of course, it's important. It's required because some marketplaces don't accept it. So then we are extending that work along with that. The second part is retailers are using it in different forms as well. One is to drive more relevance on on on-site search, but also on the merchandising part. Some retailers are using it purely for merchandising to say, okay, in the next three months, we are seeing a trend of pink t-shirts with butterfly prints coming up. But how do we really go through all our SKUs to figure out, do we have enough pink t-shirts with butterfly prints on there? So they are using us to be able to determine that and not just for the on-site search. Now, talking about the integration, that's absolutely spot on. Some of the out-of-the-box connections that we already have is with, uh, say, Shopify. So, if a Shopify user we're on the Shopify store or recently went on the Shopify store, and they can that connect, that integration is very quick. You know, within. 20, 25 minutes they are up and running. The next integrations we have worked with is with PIMs, like Soft Chemistry. We've got a PIM uh, connection with uh, Akinio. We are also working with partners like Amazon Web Services who have been actually phenomenal in supporting us. They identified it earlier when we had presented to them what we're doing, that this is a pain point for the industry and they actually took us to some of their larger retailers to say, can Oculo work with you, which was great. And the partnership sort of was very naturally progressed from there because they could hear it, so to say, from the horse's mouth that what they're claiming has got legs. And that helped us develop a good global partnership with AWS. And we use any retailer who's using AWS to host their services can access it through APIs through them through the Amazon AWS marketplace. We're continuing to identify other such partners where we can build these integrations into. And that is a very, very key part of how we plan to grow and sort of provide these services to end customers.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, anything you can do to lower the barrier of entry and to reduce the cost of integration is going to give you the better opportunity to win in the market. So, you know, I I could see very much, you know, if you had an automatic, automatic integration, with a with an instant search plus, or you had a you know an integration with Algolia, if you had an integration with some of the ERP partners, and obviously really key to expanding this, as you rightly point out, is integrations with PIM partners. So, you know, the River Sands and the In Rivers of the World and PIMCore and and basically if you can if you can build out integrations with all the major PIMs of the world, then not only can you draw down data from those PIMs in terms of the imagery and the and the SKU to image associations, but you can also push back in, in an automated way, those attributes back into the PIM that then get fed out and syndicated to the sales channels, wherever they may be. And oftentimes a PIM will be feeding not only the e-commerce website, but it'll also be feeding, you know, marketplaces, social commerce channels with catalogs and even print catalogs in some respects. So you know pim systems i think is a very natural fit and, and maybe even plms product lifecycle management platforms i i think that you know it feels like a very natural fit to integrate with ecom site search pems and maybe even erps so you know i like that strategy of saying hey we're going to we're going to identify those common systems that we see our platform being integrated with on a regular basis and we'll let the market lead what integrations are important to us and we'll build those out um, as needed. And then obviously they're reusable. Once you build them once, you know, apart from maybe some mapping mapping exercises that are unique to the merchant, those are reusable. And so you build them once and it's it's kind of a one-to-many deployment scenario, right? Exactly. Absolutely
1: spot on. And I think that so the way we have identified these is we said, let's work with the customers on what they are using. And once we know that the customer wants to use us, we build those integration and then we replicate them across uh, different details because it's been done once. There is some initial work to be done in the integration phase, but ultimately that is a, a blocker at times to be able to, to say that we should integrate, etc. Our customer needs to have confidence that yes, we want to go ahead with this. If there is already an inbuilt integration which they can test out, It becomes very quick for them to see the value before they spend a lot of money in doing big integrations and big projects. So, things that we we already have integration, we can very quickly show value to the customer. And so, look, trial it out for some time. You see the value yourself, and you would know that it is working. And we know that once they trial it out, we have a pretty high success rate of uh, keeping them on. We've hardly lost any customer once they are onboarded. Yeah, so that's been helpful
0: great to hear uh, about your success. Now, if we start thinking about some of the other benefits of a visual search platform like Ocular and anything that's using that sort of machine vision type of technology to generate the types of attributes and tags that you guys do, there's an automatic benefit to the merchant other than just automating the merchandising, right? Because it, it not only helps them to automate their merchandising from an attribute and a search results perspective but it also facilitates their ability to manage their taxonomy and their information architecture and their product category assignments in a more automated and seamless way and yes most PIM systems can do this based on rules based on the attributes that you would populate in the PIM. but if you can do that right out of the box then that can speed up that process quite significantly and making sure that the attributes are category appropriate for that particular brand But another side benefit that I see straight out of the gate with this is is SEO friendly data, right? So a lot of brands suffer in the SEO department because they simply don't have enough structured data attributes applied to their products that Google doesn't have enough to go on. When When they scrape the site, when they scrape the category pages and the product pages, they just don't have enough textual data to appropriately categorize that particular page with the right SEO tags to be able to to cause you to rank highly for those key search terms so you by definition it feels like you would have a dramatic uplift in seo relevancy uh, and then also in the breadth and depth of seo content that is applied to a product because you're dynamically generating that and getting someone up and running quickly with a hyper enriched product data set that is then also google friendly at the same time and also much more accurate and consistent around the data that is applied to products. Exactly, and and,
1: uh, as you mentioned about the benefits, is taxonomy is such a painful process in the industry where everyone calls it something different. So what we've been able to do over there is we've said, okay, we provided a mapping where you might, as a retailer might call it polka dots, but we might generate it as dots. But at the front end, they can map it to saying polka dots, but also generate synonyms, where it could be polka or dots or spots, so that it is automatically generating synonyms for not all the time automatically, but you can add more synonyms to it, so that when a end customer or a shopper is searching for something, they don't have to search for exactly the word which is there, because there are additional synonyms over there. So that, and so the taxonomy part has been sorted out and you know, retailer A might call it different to retailer B and they can change that at the front end to what they like, because I think there is still a long way to go to get sort of universal taxonomy across different platforms and things. And we're also building it through the uh, PIM system where they those attributes and mapping can be done differently for different marketplaces because there are two legs to this one is how you call it on your own website for the retailer but also then how does say ebay call it or how does the marketplace b call it or c calls it so trying to map it differently so that you don't have to again have that manual process in there and exactly as you said about seo tags that is absolutely critical so most of the discussions when we have with retailers and and customers there is a person from the seo team Over there as well, because for them, this is absolute gold, right? They can use this data. We generate SEO tags, we generate image-all tags, so that they can use it to then bring customers to the the products that they really want them to do. And this is something that makes their work alive and life easier because they've already got some of that information. The other sort of benefits to that is obviously time saving. I'll give you one example over here. We work with a retailer, which is sort of a semi-marketplace as well. They had close to 100,000 products that they had to generate tags and attributes for. Now, they just did a simple calculation and not that they were going to do this work at any point, but they said if they were to do this work manually, they would have spent close to 10 full-time people working for two, three months to get this all done, if they had to do it properly. We were able to generate this information in less than 40 hours. Obviously they were not gonna spend three months and then people, but then the impact of that is when a shopper goes to those websites, they don't have enough tags, they don't have enough attributes. And when they search for a formal blue dress, you know, white shirts show up. The shopper gets annoyed, they leave, the retailer loses out sale, even though they are actually spending money on say the likes of Google or Facebook, to bring traffic to the site. The traffic is coming to the website and they're searching for something. It's just not showing up and they lose it on sale. So that time saving and automation directly helps with the initial cost part, but also then the end result of conversion. And and ultimately, people want to be able to find something the same way they can find something in a physical store. When they walk in, they ask, the store manager, look, I'm looking for this, and they can be directed exactly to what they want. If you go into a store and you ask for a formal blue dress and you get white shirts, you know, chances are you're not going to go back again. But in the online world, this keeps happening over and over again. And that's why the conversion rates are you know, as low as they are in our world. And I think fixing this can have a direct correlation into increasing conversion, increasing your customer experience and those sort of things.
0: Yeah, sounds very easy to build a business case for your technology, particularly in the in the verticals that you're strong in. It it feels like an absolute no brainer, particularly when you start thinking about the impact on long tail SEO. Uh, in in particular, that's that starts to feel like an absolute no brainer for your technology. Now that leads very nicely and segues very nicely into the next question, which is. How do you guys make your money? How do you charge your SaaS platform? I'm guessing there's a, a fixed fee per month for the platform access and hosting, and then maybe it's a it's a per item scanned or maybe it's a per tag generated cost or something like that. There must be a usage component and a and a, and a hosting component. I'm guessing. So how do you guys make your money?
1: Before I mention that, firstly, when you said long tail SEO keywords, that was music to our ears. I'm telling you, we've been we've been talking about that. So the fact that you Pointed that out, I think that's great. Uh, I think uh, it would have been remiss of me not to mention that. So that's great. Now talking about uh, money. So what we have, we've got a couple of ways. Uh, the the one basic way is to understand how many SKUs does someone want tagged or attributed in a typical uh, month, or even sometimes for the larger retailers, they just say, look, we expect to do X number of SKUs for the year you just give us a a fixed fee for that, that you can pro rata across the 12 months. So they don't have the lopsided depending on consumption. So partly it's consumption based, but some we just do a fixed fee for X number of products, but we derive it based on the number of SKUs that they want attributed and tagged. And once it is attributed, we obviously don't charge again for that, but it is new SKUs, maybe let me put it this way. There is a one-off item initially to tag their existing catalog, but then on a go forward basis, there's just the number of new products that they're adding on a monthly basis or sometimes a uh, seasonal basis.
0: When someone comes to you and they get onboarded into your system. Now, I, I know that this is obviously very catalog size dependent. But in general, if you were to take an average, if, if a customer was to come to you today and say, yep, we're ready to rock and roll, we've got um, 10,000 SKUs today, and we want to be you know, be up and running ASAP with your platform from the time they sort of sign on the dotted line to the time we're starting to get some meaningful tagged data back out of your platform for them that's appropriate for their catalog. What does what that sort of time to value usually look like with your platform? Yeah, great question,
1: actually. So that depends on the platform they're using. For example, if they are using Shopify, if they are a Shopify retailer, they can actually very quickly test it out as well. So they can do the the onboarding, which is typically the onboarding involves mapping your categories, because what we need to generate the information is really the image URL, the category that it is for, and the SKU. So just those three bits which is pretty much there in most feeds but once they have done that initial mapping say if we call it dress and they call it dresses so there's just a bit of mapping that needs to be done but that can be done in 20 minutes and as soon as that's done we start generating the attributes and tags so so shopify is less than a day and the ones that we have already integrations with is reasonably quick as well and i would say typically within Um, a three to four week process if you're a larger enterprise customer that can be integrated, especially if they've got systems which we have worked with previously as well. So the time to value, uh, time to get on board is fairly quick, but then to start seeing an impact and value, I would say typically we would want to be able to work with them for around two to three months to be able to show the impact it is having. They can see the tags, they can see that it is, being generated, but how is the impact flowing on to things like conversion, et cetera? I think there is a bit more data that needs to be generated from their end because they need to drive traffic to see how who are using the filters. They've generated a new color filter. Is that being used by the end customer or do they not want to use uh, the color filter? They want to use a different type of sleeve filter. So those type of things is probably more case by case, but effectively for us to do our work it's really very quick
0: amazing stuff look i've really really enjoyed our conversation and our time together Abi. i really appreciate you giving us an inside look under the bonnet of how ocular works it's look it's it's a problem or a challenge or an opportunity that the entire industry faces or at least the the verticals of our e-commerce space that deal in something that have an aesthetic quality or aesthetic component to them that matters to the consumer and look i I think you guys have come along at at just the right time i'm guessing that um you know covid has done your business a whole lot of favors like it has most of us working in the space so i'm guessing you're growing fast you know if we if we look at your website you've got some big big retailers already on board with you from kukai to meyer to azura to valentine's you know you've got some big and you've got some big um you know partner platform solutionists and shopify and the like so congratulations on your success and 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 i see you even got ice jewelry uh there which i'm very familiar with the with the molnar brothers and the success of ice jewelry so you've got some headline brands and companies and partners that you work with and congratulations on on getting those deals in the marketplace and you know i wish you every success i'm sure that uh you know your product will probably continue to develop over the next wee while and i'm guessing you'll just continue to build out the functionality and and in that vein what's um you know, if you could look at 12 to 18 months, what would you like Ocular to be able to do uh, that it can't do today?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And Firstly, thank you also for, you know, asking these sort of questions, which is fantastic, which shows the level of in-depth knowledge that you have in the industry. And I think being able to uh, unpack that has been, has been phenomenal. So talking maybe 12 to 18 months for us, we've got most startups would see we're just getting started with this. We don't see ourselves being only a tagging company, though we are exceptionally good at that. And we identified that as a initial starter to be able to do other things on top of that, because anything else that you need to do, personalization or anything else, you need the underlying data. So we fixed that ourselves in a way to build that data. And on top of that, we're just looking at how else we're mainly listening a lot to our customer. identifying. What are the problems? Can we actually solve uh, these problems with a bit of difference and not just another Me Too product? Can we provide a real differentiated value to them on these things? We've got number of features within Taggen itself that we are, some of them we are already testing out in there, but at the same time, we want to be mindful that things sometimes take a bit longer than expected. So, and having learned from our previous startups and doing this journey, we want to make sure that we position it right when we actually launch it. But talking about COVID, yeah, with all the bad things that COVID has brought uh, to the world purely from a business lens, purely from our business lens rather, it has definitely helped shine a spotlight on how retailers could leverage automation, how they could really use AI in the right way. And I think sometimes AI gets thrown around a bit. And it's not a silver bullet. It, it is an enabler at the end of the day. It's not going to solve all the problems, but the problems it can solve are pretty clear. And, and especially the problems where there is task-based work, et cetera, those things can then definitely be done. But I definitely want over the next 12 months where we have been able to really educate the market on the need for automating this process and being able to make a difference on why they should automate that.
0: Love your work, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Love to catch back up in another 12 to 18 months and see where Ocular is at that point. Who knows what amazing new features and functions you will have added to the platform by that point. Look forward to chatting to you again soon, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Perfect. Thanks, Chase. Thanks for listening to the At The Coalface podcast. If you want more At The Coalface, you can subscribe to our premium e-commerce and digital newsletter, At The Coalface Digest.